Welcome back, everybody, to the All Access USL podcast. We are back after another, uh, I wouldn't say, well, actually, I would say crazy weekend. There are a lot of results in there that you wouldn't necessarily uh, think would happen. There, There's one I'm really, really um, kind of focusing on there when I say that, which we will absolutely get to. Um, I will say picking the games, because in the last episode, if you listened or not, um, I did say that I want to focus more, or not focus more, but like put a three-game focus on the uh, game recaps just so that I'm not spending like an hour just going through games so that I can get to other things. Um, but there, it was super hard to pick the games I wanted to focus on for this week, mainly because there were so many good games and like the results were not too crazy. Um, but it was just, I, there's there's a lot here. There's a lot to talk about. So I'll briefly say the three games in focus for today. Um, Louisville, San Antonio. That was always going to be a the a game in fake in focus, no matter the score, purely because of it being a uh, USL Championship Cup from last season rematch. That it was always going to be there. But picking the other ones were definitely a bit harder. Um, the two I picked, I'll say which ones I almost picked. I could have picked Tampa Charleston from Wednesday, mainly because that, I feel like that was a telling game from both teams, but I decided to go a different route. Um, I could have picked Memphis Las Vegas, and I also thought about picking Hartford Oakland because of Hartford getting their first win there, but I decided against it. Instead, I went with uh, Loudon Birmingham um, and Sacramento Colorado Springs, and I went with those two because I feel like we learned a lot about Loudon and uh, Sacramento in those games, but I feel like we also we did learn a good amount of the switchbacks in that game, and that it's that they're not going to be the dominant team that they were last year. Um, but the Loudon game in particular is that I feel like Birmingham just had a very much off night. I mean, this is not the Birmingham team that we should be expecting week in, week out. Um, so I feel like this was just Loudon putting on a good display against a Birmingham team who got caught out. So we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, I want to start with the Louisville-San Antonio game because it was such a tight affair. Uh, Wilson Harris getting the lone goal off of that flicked header in the 23rd minute. Um, San Antonio, we talk about that low block all the time. They hold most of the possession here. Um, not something you see them do often. Mainly a like 30-40% possession team, um, especially playing with that three-back. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and Louisville let them have a majority of the ball for most of the game, which is, um, you know, which is fine. It worked out in Louisville's favor. They get the one nil win. They're back on track. 
Um, not that they were necessarily off track. I mean, they had one coming into this game as well, but this is a much bigger game, I will have to say, than when they played Detroit. When they played uh, Detroit last week. So, big, big win for Louisville. I'm trying to think what else. Winder getting his USMNT call-up. That is huge. Uh, and this obviously comes amid the rumors that he is moving to Benfica for a league record fee of likely $1 million plus. That is absolutely fantastic for him. Um, he comes on in the 79th minute, puts in a good shift. Uh, Semley in that Louisville City FC goal, I will have to say, coming in now, seems like he is a solid keeper. Excited to see more of him. Clean sheet on the day. Very, very, very good from him. Uh, not much out of that San Antonio team creatively, I will have to say. Uh, only the two shots on target. They have it 11 shots, two shots on target. Not great. Uh, Louisville subdued heavily during the game. Only four shots, two on target, but they make it work. They get the goal. This is this is always going to be an affair like this. I mean, we saw last um, in the cup final last year, the game was very much open. San Antonio split Louisville open for a majority of the game. Um, they were able to get the job done. Uh, but today, it seems like, or not today, uh, for this game in particular, it seemed well, it didn't seem like Louisville did have the counter to that low block, which is just being patient. San Antonio do not necessarily want the ball. They just want to play those long balls forward. They want to just bomb it. And they're very good at that, to be fair to them. But Louisville counter that. They let San Antonio have the ball, and they get that 1-0 win. So... Big, big props to San, or to not San Antonio, to Louisville there, who now sit second in the East. They will be loving that for sure. So we're going to move on to um, Loudon, Birmingham. And this game blows my mind. Loudon sitting on four points, two losses in a row. Two pretty mm, not great losses. A 3-0 loss to Tulsa. Well, honestly, pretty a 3-0 loss to Tulsa, giving Tulsa their first win of the season and a 1-0 home loss to the Switchbacks. Um, the Switchbacks are a very, very good team. But they come into this game also having not played since April 1st. And they get a 3-0 win. And I have to say, what an absolute player Zach Ryan has turned out to be for Loudoun United. Zach Ryan and Khalil El Medkar, I think, have been some very shrewd signings for Loudoun United so far. They have been absolutely fantastic. And they are such a big help for this uh, Loudoun offense. Birmingham. On the day, though, uh, not very good. I think that's pretty clear from a 3-0 loss. I mean, Loudon controlled the game throughout. Um, 
shots allowed in dominate 19 to 7. Obviously, shots and stats don't tell the whole game, but you get a good um picture that Loudon were just absolutely on them the whole game. I mean, it, everything goes in favor of Loudon United. Uh, Wesley Leggett gets his goal, his first goal of the season, and then, like I said, El Medcar and Zach Ryan, two absolutely lovely pickups. Rocca comes on for them, puts in a good shift. Williamson comes on, puts in a good shift. Love to see it. Uh, Washington, who I um, thought could be a good player for Lion United, lovely. That whole defensive line for Lion United. And then Hugo Faru in goal gets his clean sheet, his first clean sheet of the year. Love that for him. Uh, Birmingham will have a big uh, weekend next week, hoping for a bounce back. Uh, that is for sure. They will be hoping not to repeat this. Um, we'll see. We'll go see actually now who, cause I was going to wait until the end to preview, but we'll go and check who Birmingham played. Cause I've not caught up on the next games quite yet. Uh, they put orange County in California. That is going to be a tough road game heading from Leesburg, Virginia to uh California. So we will get to that obviously in the next portion of the episode once I have gone over those games on my own. Um but we're going to move now from Loudon Birmingham, a very, very intriguing game, to of course Sacramento, Colorado Springs. And this this is a Sacramento team that is going could, in all honesty, be that top Western team. They're already three points clear to start the season. Haven't lost a single game yet. They're the... No, Charleston have yet to lose as well. So Sacramento and Charleston both yet to lose a game this year. Sacramento feel like the better of the two right now. I would have to say Charleston have been not, I would, they have been a bit fortunate with how they finished games getting two late winners in a row. But I mean, this Sacramento team has a bit more about them than that Charleston team. I would have to say, um, didn't necessarily dominate the game. Uh, Colorado Springs were definitely in it. They just could not finish their chances. Uh, Viotter, Felipe, Russell Ciceroni, who has been very good since coming in, getting goals here. And then Luther Archimed in the 90 plus six, a fantastic finish to get his goal. Uh, just tops off a beautiful Sacramento uh, win. And where Sacramento, like thinking about this game, I, th- I think this just like I said, proves more that Sacramento are the likely top team in the West. I know it might not be um, wise six games into the season to say it, but I mean, if you dominate a Louisville team that is still very good despite the losses, despite that 3-0 loss at the El Paso Locomotive, you know, they're still very good. Uh, I was going to include the Sacramento game, but that would obviously that's proving my point for Sacramento. So Louisville are very good, and they destroy 
a switchbacks team who are, I would bet, going to be a mid um, to like higher-ish level Western Conference playoff team. I'm not saying switchbacks are going to win at all, but they'll be there most likely um, to at the end of the season competing for a mid-level playoff spot. Sacramento just absolutely pulled them apart. So where the switchbacks go from here, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but Sacramento, I think they are they are at the top of their game. Colorado Springs have New Mexico next. That will be um, very, very interesting seeing as New Mexico haven't been off to the hottest of starts. And then Detroit for Sacramento. That is going to be a very, very intriguing game. Uh, mainly because Detroit, they don't have a necessarily big problem scoring, although they haven't um, scored in their last two games. They're just a very iffy team right now. I don't feel like they're putting in as many complete performances as they would like. So I think Sacramento are going to have a pretty easy, I don't want to say easy because it's never super easy, but I think Sacramento will be well-fitted for that game. So. That is our three in focus now. Um, we will now go through uh, the other games just quickly. Um, starting off with Charleston and Tampa Bay from Wednesday. And then Charleston, Tulsa. Two very big 2-1 wins for Charleston. That puts them top of the Eastern Conference. And we've seen a lot from Augie Williams, we talk a lot about Augie Williams. He was their top goal scorer last year. Um, but Nick Markinich has been absolutely fantastic. I will, I mean, I there were a lot of players who Charleston picked up who you knew were going to come in and be immediately good. And that's mainly because of that Memphis link that Ben Pierman has. Um but Nick Markinich has come in and put a stamp on this team for midfield. And I am loving that from him. Uh, also, Polvara gets his goal for Charleston. So two different goal scorers for Charleston. Marcus Epps in this Tulsa game gets a goal, but it's not enough for Tulsa. Tulsa now only still the one win on the year and not looking too good. And then Tampa Bay uh, honestly did not expect them to be where they are now. Uh, on the outside looking in, that is three losses on the year. They're ninth place. Indy have a game in hand um, on them in eighth place. So Tampa Bay have a lot of room to grow, obviously. They have a good roster. It's just a very uncharacteristic start. So we'll have to see where they go from there. Um, hopefully for them, it is up. They don't have a game until the 23rd on Sunday, and it is a trip to San Diego. So we'll talk about that for sure. Um, when we get there, I'll just have the same. We'll talk about that when we get to the games. I'm just laying it out there what they have next. And then obviously next segment, we'll talk about a bit more in depth about what um, to maybe expect from those games. Uh, so moving on, Pittsburgh beat RGV. 2-0, uh, very big win for Pittsburgh after a bit of a 
not so much rough patch, two draws and a loss in three games heading into this game. And they get the win against the RGV team who granted may not be the best team, um, but you know, still had to put in the work, get the win. Albert Dickwa, fantastic from him. Miami nil, Detroit nil. I think this tells a big story of two teams who just need something to go their way. Miami, who I was very high on at the beginning of the year, I will admit, look pretty bad. Yet to win a game this year. One of only three teams yet to put their uh, put themselves in the win column this year alongside Memphis and Las Vegas. So... And Detroit as well. They do. Detroit do have a win on the year, but heading this game, three losses. You need something. You need at least a goal in this game, and they don't get it. Very tight affair. No one comes out on top. Um, New Mexico United won. San Diego loyal one. Very very. Um, I don't. I don't even know what to really think of this game. It's it's good to see Evan Conway continue to get himself on the score sheet. And I'm not really saying I don't know what to think of this game from a San Diego standpoint, because we know San Diego are good. Uh, But I don't know what to think from a New Mexico standpoint. New Mexico, you know, win their first game of the year, two losses, and now a draw at home. It's a very respectable draw at home. But coming off of those two losses to um, Monterey Bay and Oakland, this feels like a game that they need to put a stamp on, and they don't necessarily do, especially heading into a game against the switchbacks uh, away. So New Mexico will definitely need to grow. They get a goal from Hamilton. That's good. Conway equalizes. Um, New Mexico need to do better. Oakland, I, again, I don't know what to do, what to think about them. I wasn't super high on them. Again, at the beginning of the year. And here they are in sixth place. They lose here to Hartford, gifting Hartford their first win of the season and pushing Hartford into seventh place. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, and it's a very, very good, complete performance. Sadie and Cedeno getting the goals only four minutes apart. Um, Richard Sanchez, unlucky to not keep the clean sheet. He honestly had a very solid game. But Formella, from the penalty spot, he's always going to bury that. Um, but Oakland, after that 3-0 win against Indy, I I don't know what I saw here. I saw a, I mean, I, I, realistically, an Oakland team that were lacking just that final touch, that final edge. They let Hartford get in behind like Hartford liked to do. And if you let Hartford do that, they have the talent to punish you. And for the first time this year, we've seen Hartford um, be able to finish off a game. So props to them. Um, next up, Orange County, Indy. Uh, Orange County getting the 1-0 there. When, 1-0 win there thanks to a milan Oloski penalty. Uh, Orange County now... With their first win of the season after three draws and a loss in their last four, that will be a big boost because after last year, all of the defensive issues that they had last year to get their first win with a clean sheet like this, with a performance like this, a very, very, very professional outing against an indie team who are reeling, not having having conceded four 
in their last two games, three in their last game against Oakland. Um, like I said, also haven't scored um, in those two games. It This was a much-needed victory and a uh, victory that they should have gotten, and they did get. So good for Orange County there. And then to wrap up uh, on the games, Phoenix, uh, this is this is tough because Phoenix aren't necessarily doing horrible. They only got they only have the one win on the year, one loss, three draws though, and that puts them in tenth. But they still do have six points with a game in hand on a lot of teams above them, and they come up against a Monterey Bay team who have yet to win a game where they have not scored more than four goals. So, I mean, if you can shut down that Monterey, Monterey right now will not win a game, clearly scoring one or two goals. And Phoenix did very well here to shut down that Monterey Bay defense, or not defense, that Monterey Bay offense. Because if Monterey get into that free flow where the everyone is just linking up up top, you know, Alex Dixon, Valeski, Cleedle, all of them are just linking up um, it is going to be a nightmare. You will score goals against it, but you will clearly lose. Uh, but Phoenix do a good job of shutting that down. Unfortunately, they cannot get the win. Um, but you know, after the a win and a draw in their last two, two draws and a win in their last three, I think Phoenix would take that, and they will hopefully be looking well against San Antonio might be a rough day. So we will have to wait and see when I do those predictions in the next segment. Um, so to actually talking about the next segment, we are going to take a quick break right now. Um, and then we will come back and talk about next week's games and a couple uh, other things I wanted to talk about from these last um, games. All right, welcome back from that little break. Um, during that break, honestly, I'm going forward since I obviously talk about every game, at least in some detail for every episode, and because there's more to talk about than just the games, I figured from now on for the game previews, I'll just focus on the three games uh, I'm, I think will be the most intriguing heading into this weekend. So I can also talk about other topics than just games all the time, which I mean, obviously games are like a majority of the thing, but there's a lot more stories than just the games every week. So I've picked three games. We'll get to them, but I want to talk about a couple of things first. Um, I want to talk about Philip Goodrum not having scored a goal this season yet. And this, when we first heard the news that Philip Goodrum seemed unhappy um, earlier in the year because it seemed like Memphis were holding him down, which he has a contract there. They can do that, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the right thing to do. They would have gotten a great fee for Goodrum after the outstanding season he had last year and to think that keeping him here 
would be a good idea for just for his sake alone is pretty crazy. And there was a real talk that this could be an issue that he might not play well with the idea that he had the opportunity. He's got this idea stuck in his head that he could have been somewhere else. And I don't think that's necessarily all the case. I think a lot of that factors into the point that Memphis are just a bad um, attacking team. I mean, they did just put two goals on Las Vegas, to be fair to them. Uh, but they are not a good team by any sorts. So I th- I think he would have been, for, for his sake, he would have been better off um, going to a, another team. And there were rumors from both Europe and MLS of where he was going to go. And the Europe rumors, I'm not too sure. Um, I did put on my Instagram a while ago, um, RFC Sirang from Belgium. That seemed like a likely place and another side. can't really remember. But I also, I clearly think, I wasn't too sure what MLS teams would be in for him. But honestly, after seeing the offseason and how this team builds, I truly do think it would have made sense for Nashville to be in for him. Purely because of Nashville's like domestic-based like ideology of signing players. And we saw that with Tyler Freeman. And while Philip Goodrum isn't is definitely better than Tyler Freeman and is obviously older than Tyler Freeman, they both kind of fit the bill of a Nashville signing. So it honestly, I, I'm not saying this is anywhere near true to who he's linked with. I think it would have made sense though if Nashville was an MLS team in for Philip Goodrum. And I think Goodrum would have worked really well there and would have been a solid MLS striker if Nashville were a team calling. And I feel very, very bad for um, Goodrum and the fact that he was not able to get the move either domestically or abroad that he so wanted because he is a great player. He showed that in his time Last year, we've known he's been a good player for a majority of his USL career, and he just he just turned it up a notch last year. So, um, it doesn't seem like he's going to get the amount of goals that he, or even necessarily close to the tally he got last year, which is unfortunate. But I think um, it would be crazy for him not to move in the summer. I think he will move in the summer, no matter how well he's playing, because it's not just a one-off year last year. For me, it's not a one-off year last year that he was doing that well. I think he's got it in him for plenty more seasons. So I think, and it will be at a cut price because uh, he is not being playing as well right now. He's not finishing as well. Um, not, or at least not nearly as well as last year, clearly. I, I think he will move, though, and I think it will be a big hit for Memphis more so than Goodrum, because Goodrum will still move to a good side if he does leave in the summer. Um, but Memphis will be taking a massively cut fee, which will be um, very, 
very uh, not ideal uh, in trying to replace Philip Goodrum because that is just a task in itself that is very difficult. We a lot of a lot of USL teams this season have had trouble uh, trying to replace players that are just irreplaceable for this league. So, and Philip Goodrum is quite simply going to be pretty irreplaceable for Memphis. So tough for them. Um, I also want to talk about talking of strikers. Uh, we're going to move to a striker who is on fire. I want to talk about Albert Dikwa. Six appearances, four goals this, this year, already near halfway to his 2022 tally. He is really leading the line for this Pittsburgh Riverhounds team. And this is a Riverhounds team who I, at the beginning of the year, there's a lot of teams who like looking at this Riverhounds roster at the beginning of the year, it seemed super thin. It was a lot more. So I feel like not unproven, but just, mm, it didn't feel more so like the Riverhounds than we've seen the past few years. I wasn't sure how this team was going to connect and it's connecting completely fine. I mean, six games, two wins, one loss, three draws, nine points. That's fourth in the East. And Kizza looks good. Dick Will looks good. Um, Danny Griffin, I still think they miss him a good amount, but they have done well without him for sure. And and Shane Wheat, to be fair. They've done well without both of them. But Kizza has just been, or not Kizza, um, Dick Will has just been on another level. He's more, or he's above a goal every other game, which is fantastic. Now, he doesn't lead the Golden Boot Race. That is still Alex Dixon with Monterey Bay. He has been off to a flyer, more so than a flyer than I think we thought um, he would be. Um, but still, Dikwa is up there right now in terms of pure form. Um, so... Very pleased to see that for him. So, and we'll see how that continues to go. Uh, moving on, though, we're going to move on to two teams who I I don't necessarily know what we see moving forward. I'm still not sure what to expect from these teams this year. Uh, Phoenix, I'm not sure. I don't know. They they play have played good this year. They have played. Good. I think they're very unlucky to be in 10th. You know, they got on um, their first win of the year last week when they beat Birmingham, um, which was a very surprising result, I'll have to say. That's two losses in a row for Birmingham. That pushes them down to third. Very, very, very um, disheartening, at least. How many times can I say very as well? So, Phoenix go to Birmingham, get that big win. They head home, draw against a solid Monterey Bay team. Now, up next, it's San Antonio away. A San Antonio team who are good. A top quality, even, side in this league. Coming off of that Louisville loss, they are going to be ready for this. And then... After San Antonio, Phoenix have a three-game stretch of Eastern Conference play. They've got Loudon at home, which, again, home game. That's fine. 
They follow that up with Tampa Bay away. So at home in Phoenix, all the way to Tampa. That's going to be difficult. No matter how Tampa Bay have been playing, that'll be hard. Um, and then they head back home for Hartford. That in itself, from Phoenix to Tampa, or I should just say that four games in a row from San Antonio back home to Phoenix, then to Tampa, then back home to Phoenix. That's going to be tough. That is going to be very tough. I I would have to say, and I think that San Antonio game will be the toughest because of how San Antonio are, but I think that Tampa Bay game will be very difficult as well. Um, I mean, well, you could say anything. Hartford, even though that is three games out now, got their first win, a bit of momentum. Tampa, um, an away game in Tampa is always going to be difficult. Loudon at home, Loudon have been very good in that final third. Very surprising. And then San Antonio, that low block is hard to beat. They will defend their asses off. And Phoenix have not been able to necessarily break through a lot of low blocks and just good defending teams this year. So it looks, despite how good they've been playing, I'm a bit worried that they're going to hit another wall for these next four games. Um, And talking about a team who is kind of hitting a wall, um, they're hitting a draw wall. It is Las Vegas. Four games, four draws on the season. That is pretty remarkable. Um, Honestly, heading into the year, I thought Las Vegas were going to be horrible. I I feel like a, a good amount of people might have agreed with me there. But to be fair, they're still bottom of the West. Four points. But they, and they're only there because of they've yet to win a game. If they had won one of those games, first of all, they'd be on six points and they'd be off the bottom. But they're just there because they haven't won a game yet. Draw at home or draw away to RGV, opening match day, respectable. Draw away to Las Vegas, uh, or draw away to Orange County. Um, draw away to Indy, draw away to Memphis. Next up, an away game against Miami. And keep in mind, these are all away games. They do not play their first home game until May 5th. They are away this whole time. So it's truly remarkable that they have yet to lose the game yet. And granted, they have not played great opposition. Miami is also not going to be necessarily a true test of how, what this Las Vegas team is. They could lose they they could lose there. They could give Miami their first win of the season. Could jumpstart Miami. But RGV who currently sit 8th, Orange County who currently sit ninth in the west, uh Indy who currently sit 8th in the east and then Memphis who sit bottom of the east. Not the greatest pool to um, pick from, but all the way games, all still difficult opponent opponents. There's, these are good results for Las Vegas, especially to have not lost the game. When, for me at least, it seemed like they were going to be runaway um, bottom of the Western Conference. And you have to give a lot of praise to Isidro Martinez and what he's building here with Las Vegas. It's a it seemed like a ragtag group because. At least the announcements came out very late in the offseason. The signings might not have, but I feel like a lot of the signings did come super late in the offseason. They just 
threw a team together, and it's working at least somewhat decently. So Las Vegas, props to you. See how you do against Miami um, this upcoming weekend. It'll be very interesting to see. Will they get their first win? Will they get their first loss? Will they make it five draws in a row? I honestly, I don't know. I kind of hope they do make it five draws in a row. I think that would be, as funny as it would be, it would probably be pretty annoying for most of the Las Vegas fans. Las Vegas fans. So maybe, maybe a win would settle some nerves there. So. Um, well, we can now talk about, um, the games that I am, the three games I'm most intrigued about this upcoming weekend. And I honestly could, I'll, I'll run through the Sunday games because they're all intriguing, but I'll pick two. One from Sunday is going to be like my intriguing pick, but I'll go through the Sunday ones at least because they're all interconference, you know, Loudon, Oakland. This is the game I have on my top three. I am very interested to see how this Loudoun United team plays against a defensive and just, you know, break you down Oakland team. Two very opposite teams. And I do think, I think Loudoun come out on top of this one because I think Loudoun, um, attack-wise, Um, breaking down that Oakland defense and cutting through that midfield will be a lot more. It's just a lot more suited for them. And I don't know if Oakland can necessarily break down um, this Loudon uh, 4-3-3 that we usually see from them. So I think Loudon will win that game. Miami, Las Vegas, I just talked about it briefly. I, I honestly think Las Vegas could get the win here. Miami have not put a lot of faith in me to begin the year. And I think Las Vegas could get their first one of the season here. And then San Diego, Tampa. This is these, the Miami, Las Vegas, San Diego aren't in my three, but they're here. So we're just going to talk about them. Um, I don't know what to think here. Well, I do. I think San Diego are going to win, but Tampa have played well at points this year. Um, They are currently ninth, but to their credit, they did put together a very comprehensive performance um, against Miami. That is also Miami that we're talking about, though. So, I honestly don't... Uh, Tampa could pull something out of the bag here. San Diego did have some rough spots last year. And granted, that was under Lana Donovan and not Nate Miller, where it just seemed like they were not at that level. And that this league, it can happen in this league. Um, the turnaround is crazy. And the squad depth is not necessarily there for all the teams. And that's because just how the league is built. Um, so I honestly will say that Tampa could get a result here. I think a draw here is not unreasonable. Um, and I think that will be, that'll be a big boost for Tampa. A bit disappointing for San Diego, but San Diego in second right now, a point against Tampa at home, well, let's be real. A Tampa team who are not off to a hot start, that would be disappointing for San Diego, at least. So, um, Moving on, though, to my other two that I want to talk about. Uh, I'll put El Paso and Pittsburgh. Um, I think 
mainly because of how hot El Paso, El, El Paso, El Paso have been in their past three games, two wins and a draw, some massive results. This Pittsburgh team is on one as well um, with the win in their last game against RGV. And it's another Western Conference test for Pittsburgh. I'm interested to see the dynamic here of how Pittsburgh are able to play through El Paso. Um, and subsequently how El Paso can play through Pittsburgh. It'll be a real clash, and I'm excited to see where it goes. And then to finish off, um, I, I am going to put Indy Monterey Bay here because I this is a test more so. This is a test for both teams. Can Indy put together a comprehensive performance? They're in that last playoff spot. They've only got the one win um, on the season so far against a Detroit team in Detroit. That's a good result. Any result is a good result. But they need more. And against a Monterey Bay team, this could end up like the Oakland game. But this could be something different. They could learn better. Monterey Bay do not play like Oakland. When Monterey Bay are playing well, they are this season they are flying forward. They're putting goals on you. But also conceding. Indy could have an opportunity to get in behind. They were playing a lot of route one ball, and it just wasn't working. They seemed very compact in that midfield against Oakland when I was there. I'm pulling from the Oakland game a lot. Um, but they seemed just super compact and not able to break the lines. If they can break the lines here, they have a real chance against Monterey Bay because some of the balls in that game were not too bad. Oakland just did really good with dealing with them because they're built to deal with long balls. Monterey Bay, maybe not so much. They can get count on the counter. Um, and that's how they finish with 4-2-5-3 games. So I think this game will be a test of Indy's ability to stick with it and actually play well with those tactics. And if Monterey Bay can subdue those tactics and win a game, without conceding two and scoring four. I know they have it in them. It's just, can they do it early on in the season? I'm intrigued to see if they can do it. So that is going to finish today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Glad now that even though we didn't have Noah from MBFC discussion, seems like we have a good um, understanding of a actual layout for episodes of, you can just expect, Three um, in-depth games of the past weekend for game reviews, and then we'll go through the rest of the games pretty quickly, do some more topics, and then at the end of the episode, uh, we will finish off with three games we are looking towards for the next weekend. So you can expect that for the rest of the episodes. So thank you guys for listening again, and I will see you guys next weekend.